Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. by now hopefully by now you've downloaded that radio.com app if not what are you waiting for well good morning everybody this is Bob Salter yes I'm harping on that again trust me get the app you'll thank me as Dave perfectly led us into our program today our focus is on preparation for Hungerthon Day on Tuesday. Now, we've had discussions in the past on this program that have covered a lot of different areas, talking about hunger, poverty, some of the issues surrounding it, some of the work of Why Hunger as an organization. We've talked about Hungerthon. You've heard some things about hunger and poverty in discussions on WFAN leading up to our broadcast today. You'll be hearing an awful lot more between now and Tuesday and during the day on Tuesday. There's a whole lot of things that are going to be taking place here. But I like to start as simply as possible. I'm pleased to say in studio with us is Allison Cohen, who is Senior Director of Programs for Why Hunger. It's nice to see you again. It's lovely to be here. Thank you once again for hosting us. You're welcome. I um, always enjoy our discussions. You know, it's very interesting because I'm going to take folks behind the scenes here. You and I were getting, we were getting, making sure you had some refreshment. <laughs> well hydrated. <laughs> to um, start the program. And we we're walking into our uh, kitchen area, talking about... Hungerthon. One of the observations you made was that the Hungerthon campaign started back in 1975. That's right. And as you were saying that, the thought hit me, which hit me earlier this week, and then you said it, of 1975. Think how long ago that was. <laughs> Why are we still talking about this? And where the heck are we in terms of hunger and poverty today? That's some of what we're going to explore here. When I say hunger in 2018, what are we seeing? What's really taking place? So in terms of the numbers, mm -hmm. we know that um, there are approximately 40 million, and these are, of course, the folks that, that we're able to capture data for. There are 40 million Americans, including more than 12 million children in this country, that, um, that are food insecure, that, that may not get enough food to eat throughout the week. Um, that's one out of every eight of us, one out of every six children that you that, that you pass by on the street is uh, is dealing with hunger. It's something that's not uh, necessarily visible um, in this country in the ways that it might be visible in other countries, um, and uh, and yet it, it it's it surrounds us. So literally, on that subway car that I was on this morning, there were I think I counted seventeen people on the car. Right. So about. Two, at least two of them were were struggling with hunger. And and that's the reality that I think when you stop and really look at the numbers and put this in a real-world perspective, 
is the sort of information that blows you away. And it blows us away from the standpoint of how can this really continue to be happening? Well, it, it, why hunger believes that hunger is a solvable problem mm-hmm. and that um, it is something that we could probably in the next um, year end, particularly in this country, if there were the political will to do so. Hunger is not a hunger is a symptom. It's not. Um, it's really when and when you when you cast hunger as the the sort of uh, um, center of the story, then your response is, oh well, food. We need mm-hmm. to distribute food, and that is critical. There are people that need food, and we have uh, more than sixty thousand food pantries across this country that are feeding people every day, and that's really critical. And food isn't the answer. Poverty is the problem. Poverty is the problem, and it's ec- more. It's economic justice. It's it's living wages. It's um, everyone having an opportunity to um, to earn a fair wage in order to feed their families. Nobody wants to go to a food bank or a food pantry. Um, there's not a lot of dignity in that, and um, and yet there are. And you'll hear from one of our partners later on in the show um, in Brooklyn, New York, that is uh, really. Turning the 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 soup model kitchen, uh, you know, flipping the switch basically on the soup model kitchen, and really um, engaging folks with a tremendous amount of dignity, and that's that's so critical. That's important. And if we're going to end hunger, we really have to dig down to the roots. So, if we're digging down to the roots, how do we get started? Well, I think that, um, number one, we can begin to really advocate for a living wage. We know that of the 42 million Americans that rely on food stamps, that um, more than half of them are um, working full-time but still not able to make ends meet. So advocating for a living wage and and enacting that, whether you're a corporation and you can do it without the the political mandate or whether we need a political mandate to lift the – the you know lift us ab- above the poverty wages of you know um, seven to eight dollars an hour, which is our current minimum wage. Um, you know you just can't can't feed yourself on that. No, you can't. Much less a family. You know, a family. How do, how do people do that? I mean, how do they, they exist? They rely on food banks and they rely on what we call SNAP, our food stamp program, which mm. is a supplemental nutrition assist- nutritional assistance program. And they routinely skip meals. Parents will skip meals so their children can eat, um, or they'll eat less, or they'll cut back on, um, uh, you know, other other costs. But the problem is that there are so many fixed costs, right? I mean, you can't really cut back on transportation to work. You can't you can't make um, uh, decisions about um, you know heat and medicine. And people do, people do. Um, and uh, food is probably one of the easiest things to that we have the most control over in terms of our budgets, and um, and particularly for a family who's who's um, struggling, and uh, and so cutting back on meals or eating less or eating uh, less you know poor quality food, um, fast food is is uh, is cheaper than than having a healthy meal, um, and those kinds of decisions come into play, and those are the decisions that folks are forced to make. Mm. And then we get into this area that you mentioned, the number of children. Children! Right. Yeah, so there are approximately 12 million children um, and that are, that are classified, that the USDA counts as food insecure. And um, that's one in six um, that live with this reality. Uh, there are more than 13 million children currently in this, co- currently in this country that live below the poverty line. And the poverty line is uh, abysmally low as well. And typically, um, most folks, when they're they're looking at who actually is living in poverty, they're they're judging it at about 180 percent of the federal poverty line. So it's really it's it, our measurements are are particularly um, troublesome as well. And if we were to um, to change those, we would find that in fact there there are more many more children living in poverty than, than we're aware of statistically. The other thing is that we have um, um, seniors. So it's not just children, but right. children, seniors. Um, and these are, these are the most vulnerable folks in our society in many ways. And 
Um, and, uh, and, and we have an obligation, a right, a moral obligation. Uh, they have a right to, um, uh, to, to have a, an opportunity to, to grow up and, and, and live a, a full life of self-determination and dignity. And, and, um, and that is something that our society, we believe at Why Hunger, that our society needs to um, collectively make happen. Mm. Is it frustrating that we continue to have this issue? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very frustrating. I mean, I, I, we believe that hunger is solvable, and um, and we believe that the the and it's it is complex. It's not it's not as simple as right. as just you know uh, lifting folks. Um, uh, you know, I don't know, paying folks or giving folks a sort of economic assi- direct economic si- assistance mm-hmm. or, or raising the living wage. Those are really critical pieces. So yeah, it's it's. Um, it is frustrating, and it is um, it's solvable at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, when we look at hunger and think about the work of an organization like Why Hunger, how does Why Hunger, I guess, work with these different community organizations? Mm-hmm. We've talked about this in the past. This. There's so many organizations around the country and in the city and sometimes in what some people might view as obscure parts of the country that are working at a grassroots level. Right. First of all, how do you find them? Uh, how do how do we find them? They well, we've been doing this work for uh, since you know early seventies. Um, why hunger has around the country and globally, and so um, those organizations are uh, relationships that we've built over the years, mm-hmm. um, and so we um, we get to know them through um, through the, those relationships, and relationships are really core to the work that we do and the kind of partnerships that we um, that we um, establish. Um, and the kinds of grassroots organizations that we're working with are are really, in we think, the heroes of this this story. They are the ones that are on the front lines, dealing with this every single day, and doing it in a way that is um, is resonant within their own community, fits the context of their particular community, and it could be a variety of different things. It could be um, simple food distribution. It could be um, it could be gardening. It could be um, uh, urban farming. It could be advocacy work. It's a whole host of different um, uh, skill sets that are that are really being harvested and, and employed to help um, stem the tide of food insecurity and hunger in in communities at the community level. And so, why hunger helps to resource those efforts, we help um, to knit them together into um, uh, you know what we hope to become eventually a, a kind of the fabric of a social movement mm-hmm. in this country that is not just calling for an end to hunger, but actually. Um, living our way into that future and really um, uh, trying out those different solutions and, and, and making them work at the, at the local level so that we can begin to scale them up. Are you seeing successes on the parts of that effort? Yes, we're seeing a lot of success. It is, um, I th- and, and, and much of that success is, you know, is, is sort of piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And the real work, I think, comes in, um, in in bridging that in 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 turn in amplifying those into something that's louder than a single community and a single grassroots organization, and and that's where why hunger comes in to help really build those alliances and to amplify those voices. Okay, we're going to be talking more about the work that why hunger does. You know, it's part of an effort to motivate people to get involved as part of this effort to. End hunger, end poverty, and yes, to be a participant in Hungerthon. We'll get into talking about Hungerthon, uh, some of the things that will be featured on Tuesday around that. Also, talk about some of the items that are up for auction as well. Ways that you can be directly involved in this, because this is an answer to the person who's listening to us and says, Well, wait a minute, what can I really do about this? Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I. Literally, we want to reach out to you today and talk about exactly how it is that we draw you into this conversation and into it from the standpoint of some, not necessarily reaction, but being proactive in a way in uh, moving to address this too, all as part of a partnership, because that's what we're really talking about here. 
And if you want more information on some of the things we're talking about, you can also go to hungerthon.org. Uh, we will give you other resources as we continue in our discussion. Allison Cohen is Senior Director of Programs for Why Hunger. She is with us on our program. We roll until 7.30 this Sunday morning. Radio.com. My name is Bob Salter. We are in studio talking about the work of uh, Why Hunger. It's in preparation for Hungerthon, which is uh, taking place in an official ca- capacity on uh, Tuesday. Realistically, Hungerthon is running through the month of November, through the month of December. You can get information at hungerthon.org. You can make donations. Uh, you can bid on auction items as well. Um, in studio with us is Allison Cohen, who is Senior Director of Programs at uh, Why Hunger. She shared some information with us on kind of giving us the um, current state of where we are with hunger in uh, this country in the first portion of our discussion. In just a little bit, we're going to be joined by a guest from um, a local organization as well. Let's talk about Hungerthon uh, from the standpoint of Somebody who's listening to our discussion who, and I know this is going to seem like a foreign concept, somebody who's never heard of Hungerthon before, <laughs> all right? and those people who have, how do you describe what Hungerthon is? So Hungerthon, it's a campaign that Why Hunger launched in 1975. It's an annual Thanksgiving radio tradition, and it's a way that we are um, enlisting artists radio personalities such as yourself and and a whole variety of folks to help us raise critical funds to support communities um, across the U.S. and also an opportunity for us to really build awareness about hunger and poverty in the U.S. Um, so we are uh, – it's an opportunity for us to, to come together really across the country through radio, through the, 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 the fans and the listeners, um, and to come together and take action and, and really – to collectively fight for the right to nutritious food for everyone. And, you know, I was saying that before about somebody who's listening and they think, what what can I really do about this? Okay, this is a really big issue, big problem. As an individual, what am I going to – what difference am I going to make in this? Yeah, what, do, well, what do you say? Well, there's there's a variety of things that you can do. Um, the, 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 the simple, easiest – uh, thing that, that, that you can do is to go to hungerthon.org and really get involved in this campaign and make a donation or um, we have uh, some um, amazing gifts that you can can um, also receive for your donation that you can bid on items so you can contribute financially. That is one thing that you can do. Um, you can also commit to really building your own awareness about hunger and poverty in the U.S. and and why it exists. And at whyhunger.org, also hungerthon.org, both websites, we have plenty of information and stories and, and details about the communities that we work with um, across the U.S. and around the globe that are on the front lines of this, this issue every single day. You can also... Um, you can also look for those community-based organizations in your in your neighborhood, in your community, in your town, in your city that are um, that are on the front lines and support them directly. Um, you can volunteer with them. You can um, you can get engaged in a in a in a variety of ways. But we we talk about the you, that 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 the simplest way is to to donate to support the efforts um, to end hunger by. Uh, by uh, through your pocketbook, mm-hmm. um, we also talk about uh, volunteering and getting engaged. Um, we uh, talk about advocacy, which means um, joining campaigns that will help to lift people out of poverty. Um, that um, you know that that are really calling for a stronger political will to 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 end hunger and poverty. Um, so there's there's education, advocacy, volunteering, donating. Learning, there's there's much you can do to, to, to really engage around this issue. When we talk about hunger and talk about, you know, communication, this whole process, the technology today, a lot of people are focused on social media. Mm-hmm. Okay. How has that helped or how has it impacted your ability to kind of deliver the message that you're delivering and 
Is that a way of also spreading the, the message? Absolutely. I mean, Why Hunger has a Facebook page. We use Twitter. We have um, you know, a variety of different uh, – we have a, a blog. We have a variety of different ways in which we're able to spread this message, and we can do it. Um, quickly, uh, it's it's and and you have that sort of you know that that mecca that you're looking for, which is to go viral on mm-hmm. a particular issue and on a particular thing. So that's another way that you could also get involved is to really help spread the message through um, uh, through your own Twitter feeds and your uh, various social media, Facebook, um, <clears throat> and um, and even Instagram and there are other uh, other kinds of social media platforms that we're, we're using as well. And I'm beginning to show my age. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, yes. And it's, um, it's important for us to, 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 for all of us to really engage in the debate and the dialogue and, um, and to spread the message and to, to um, commit to educating ourselves about the issues and engaging our uh, families, our neighbors, our communities in this issue as well. Okay. People also like to know when they donate money. Where's the money go? How's this yep. money being used? Yep. So 88 cents on every single dollar goes directly to our programmatic work. And our programmatic work is uh, supporting directly um, these community-based organizations around the country that are on the front lines. We um, invest resources, funding, training, technical assistance. We're really helping to build the capacity of these innovative grassroots organizations on the front lines. We um, also uh, use the funding to help build alliances and networks so that we're really kind of marching towards this larger um uh, well-knit social movement around the country that's calling for an end to hunger and poverty. Hmm. So it's kind of neat in terms of the w- many ways in which things network uh, and interact. Yep. And also this idea, too, of, you know, with the different community organizations we were talking about earlier, you're, in a way, creating networking opportunities for those organizations. Too. Yep. Yep. So um, the the we, what we call communities of practice. So mm. communities that are coming together to really learn from each other. Right. That's the whole um, thing. Right. Yeah. That's the whole thing. And um, learn from each other, improve their models, um, uh, create a greater efficiency in what they're doing because they're not um, isolated, alone, siloed in a particular area. Um, in, in in their own community, do, doing their own work, which is really really critical. But we, um, I think, as human beings, and and certainly as organizations, um, can't move forward on our own. And this is such a seemingly intractable issue, hunger and poverty, that to do it alone in our own communities is uh, just one piece of the whole puzzle. And that we've got to also, in addition to doing the work in our communities on the front lines, connecting with and networking with and really building something larger than ourselves in order to really uh, dig down to the roots of this seemingly intractable problem and, um, and beginning to solve it together. And then the other aspect of this is, you know, lots of times people will take the attitude or approach that, eh, you know what, government, some entity will solve this for us. You know, um, I pay my taxes and the government will take care of this sort of thing. The reality is... The reality is we are the government. <laughs> we forget that. We are the ones who make up that um, that body that we rely on to ensure that we have a bit of a social safety net. One out of every four Americans uses the social safety net at one point during their lives. That's a that's 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 a lot. That's, that's a, a lot, whole lot of, of people. people. Whether it's whether it's you know. Um, uh, financial aid to go to college, whether it's school lunch, whether it's, you know, the, the variety of ways in which we are, um, uh, all of us, um, uh, relying on the the structures that we uh, create and vote to put in place. I mean, I think people people forget about that. They forget that, in fact, we are, that we are um, uh, reliant on one another, um, to create these systems that 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 help help us all, and that the the idea that you know that that rising tides float all boats, and I think that's 
um, a critical, that's critical, it's kind of in our DNA as, as Americans, and, and to get back to that to that sense of um, we're all in this together mm-hmm. is, um, a, although cliche, is is I think a, a critical um, uh, a critical thing that we can we can help each other move towards. Mm. All right. Well, our guest is um, on the line to uh, join us in our discussion and is with a community organization. Would you do the uh, honors and yes, you? yes. Um, I am really pleased to um, introduce Denny Marsh, who's the executive director of Neighbors Together, which is um, an organization in Brooklyn that is uh, Soup Kitchen's been around for, I think, since the 1930s, I want to say, or 1940s. It's been around for quite some time, as I recall. And um, and they're doing some of the most uh, innovative work, really bringing dignity um to, into the lives of folks that, that use their services. Um, so, Denny, uh, it's, it's really lovely to have you here. Thanks for joining us so early this morning. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. All right, Denny, tell us a little bit more about the origin of the organization and also um, what kind of area, what part of Brooklyn or parts of Brooklyn are you covering? Sure. So we haven't quite been around since the 1940s, but we have been around since the early 1980s. Um, (laughs) That was um, a period of time when a lot of emergency food programs, including um, emergency food distribution programs like the Food Bank for New York City, emerged um, in response to a rising level of hunger in very low-income communities across New York City. Um, Neighbors Together was founded in 1982 by a group of um, actually Catholic nuns who were teachers in our low-income community of Ocean Hill, Brownsville, and Bedford-Stuyvesant at that time. And they got together with a number of community residents to open up a soup kitchen. And everyone who, who founded Neighbors Together believed that maybe we would need to be around for a year or two and that the economy would then recover, the social safety net would strengthen, and that you know, and the need for a soup kitchen in our community would no longer exist. And that was everybody's hope. You know, and so fast forward 36 years later, here we are. Neighbors Together has grown. We've become one of the largest um, soup kitchens and community centers in central Brooklyn. And the need for our services has really um, continued. There still is a deep, deep level of hunger and poverty in central Brooklyn that Neighbors Together is fighting every day. Who is it that's coming to your soup kitchen? Are there people who are these people who some might typically think would come to a soup kitchen and are there also people who are falling in that category we've talked about before of the working poor? Absolutely. Um, At this point, I would say that, you know, when you spend a day at Neighbors Together, you will see that there is no one face of hunger right Mm -hmm. now. It is not, we're not necessarily seeing this stereotypical image of people who typically utilize emergency food programs. We're seeing all kinds of people come through our doors in need of a hot meal and a lot of other supports. Um, So we're seeing, you know, we do see a certain amount of homeless New Yorkers, absolutely. Um, But we are also seeing working families, working adults, people with children, teenagers coming in after school, people with college degrees who are really just unable to, to find sufficient income support to make ends meet right now. Um, so think, you know, the, it's really runs the gamut, um, in terms of the type of people that are coming to places like neighbors together. Interesting discussion that we are having on our program on WFAN. Um, mm-hmm. we've gotten into a discussion. We've really just started in our chat with, uh, Denny Marsh, who is executive director of neighbors together. Denny, we're going to ask you to uh, stick around. We're going to take a, a pause here and also work in a, a sports update. We'll come back, talk sure. more with you, with uh, Allison Cohen from Senior Director of Programs for Why Hunger, as we continue on our program this Sunday morning. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Solter. We are in a discussion on our program on the fan, talking about Hungerthon, the work of Why Hunger, of course, on Tuesday, all through the day on WFAM. There will be um, features surrounding uh, Hungerthon. You will be encouraged to be a supporter of the efforts of Why Hunger. 
Allison Cohen, who is Senior Director of Programs for Why Hunger, is in studio with us, helping to uh, anchor this uh, program this morning. We are with you until till 7.30, and we've been joined in uh, this portion of our program by Denny Marsh, who is Executive Director of Neighbors Together. And uh, Denny had just started talking with us a little bit about um, the organization. Allison, you want to get in the points here? Yes. So one of the um, one of the the reasons that I invited um, Denny to join us this morning is I really um, have a tremendous amount of respect for the uh, model that Neighbors Together has been as employed around um, leadership development and advocacy. Mm-hmm. And we were talking earlier about how um, the the that the the issue is um, when you when you cast the issue as hunger that you think well then food is the answer right and um, I think neighbors together is really demonstrating that it goes much deeper than that and um, and so Denny I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the um, the advocacy work that you all have done around uh, three quarter housing and um, and how residents themselves of three quarter housing and also folks that that are coming to the food pantry. I mean, the soup kitchen are um, have organized to really make a big difference in that in that area. Sure, thank you so much for bringing that component of our work into the forefront. Um, I would say that you know, while providing food and social services, while we know that 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 they are absolutely critical needs, we also know that only providing food and only providing social services is really a response to. Um, the systems that create hunger in the first place. It's not actually addressing the root causes of hunger. Um, And so our mission is to end hunger and poverty. And in order to do that, we really believe and know that we have to engage low-income people, people directly affected by hunger and poverty, in the process of creating long-term change and finding long-term solutions. Um, And so Neighbors Together works at the root by, um, like you said, Allison, offering um, intensive leadership development trainings and skills for our members to hone their um, their voices and their, to share their stories with our elected officials and with um, people in power so that the voices of low-income New Yorkers are really amplified and seen and heard so that the policies that impact their daily lives can start to shift. And in terms of our housing work, what we've seen at Neighbors Together is that people are coming in for a hot meal, but when you start talking to people and really uncovering their stories, um, it becomes very clear very quickly that housing instability, whether it's homelessness or the fear of imminent eviction or the fear of rising rent prices in the in the housing market right now, um, housing is really the biggest challenge to stability that, that low-income people are facing right now in our city. And so Neighbors Together has really focused our community organizing and policy advocacy work around um, increasing the availability of affordable housing for low-income people, knowing that when people have a home and a house that is safe and stable and permanent, so many other pieces of their lives fall into place. Um, so that is really where our our work has centered. And you mentioned three-quarter houses. Um, three-quarter houses are um, a type of housing that we see a lot of in central Brooklyn and in other low-income neighborhoods across New York. These are unlicensed and unregulated houses that really take advantage of low-income people by packing, um, you know, 30 or 40 men or women into a home, charging them all rent and utilities, and um, really imposing some very difficult um, situations on them, such as uh, curfews or lack of access to kitchen facilities or bathroom facilities. Um, they sort of off they, these three quarter houses purport to be supportive programs that will ultimately help people get back on their feet and find and secure permanent housing, but they are not they they are not that. And so people end up living there in the hopes that for a better life, and end up pretty quickly destabilizing and, and turning to places like Neighbors Together for support. Um, and so we've really started to work on chipping away at the um, the real abuses of of three quarter house um, landlords and the abuses that tenants experience. And um, we've had some real success engaging our city council representatives and um, really raising awareness about this issue. And in fact, last year we passed five bills at the city council level that are starting to really improve the conditions of three-quarter houses and starting to oversee them a little bit more. There's still a lot of work to be done, 
but um, it's it's a huge start, and it was a big win for neighbors together and for tenants. It was really led by tenants and the, and their voices. Um, and so this is an example of the ways that you know when you really start to look at the deeper systemic problems and start to to really amplify them and bring them to light, change can really happen. Um, and like you said, Allison, before it really takes so many people involved to make those changes happen, but it it's possible, and and it it's. Um, it's really gives me a lot of hope to see that that type of change start to begin. And, and these are the kinds of organizations that um, Y Hunger is is partnering with and sponsoring and um, and 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 learning from really deeply learning from and helping hoping and helping to spread that model. Um, mm-hmm. We worked with neighbors together to um, to produce a uh, a publication in our Food Justice Voices series that 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 um, is a multimedia piece that you can actually go online, whyhunger.org, and, and, um, and, and search for Food Justice Voices or Neighbors Together, and you will um, come to this amazing publication that um, Neighbors Together did with their clients and tenants and the tenants that have been organizing around these issues and really um, put a face to, to these issues. Um, you can hear their voices directly and describing their stories and where they are. And, 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 um, and I just want to underscore that when we think of soup kitchen, we don't think of um, of of organizing, of tenant organizing, for instance. We don't think of mm-hmm. um, you know political advocacy, and um, and this is the kind of work that Neighbors Together does and does so well, and is really helping to um, be a model for other organizations around the country. And and um, and and so I just wanted to lift that up. What does that mm-hmm. mean to Neighbors Together to have that kind of support from Why Hunger? Why Hunger has been such an amazing partner to Neighbors Together. We connected with Why Hunger back in 2011 when Neighbors Together was selected as one of their grantees that year. And typically foundations support um, their grantees for the duration of time that they're providing financial support to an organization like Neighbors Together. Mm-hmm. We got a one-year grant from Why Hunger, and, you know, seven years later, it's 2018, and we're still connected. Um, and I really think that Why Hunger takes such a holistic approach to supporting their grantees, not just providing financial assistance, but really providing um, long-term partnership, connections to all types of resources. Um, Why Hunger connected us to a musician um, a couple of years ago who helped us raise funds for Neighbors Together. I mean, just really amazing support that has come out of this partnership, um, including some uh, connections to other organizations across the country who are really working on social justice work and and really thinking through and developing local solutions to to solving hunger and then sharing those across the country. Um, so it's really you know a deep and, and long standing partnership that why offer hunger oh, that that why hunger offers, um, which I think is really unique and is is rare to see in a foundation. Um, and we are so grateful to be connected. And having that kind of connection, are you able to actually learn from organizations in, let's say, in other parts of the country? We are. Neighbors Together, a couple of years ago, actually participated in um, a project that Why Hunger was piloting, and we connected with a pantry in Indiana, and they visited us, and we visited them. And we really learned about, um, you know, they were doing community gardening, which is something that Neighbors Together was interested in learning more about. And we were doing community organizing and policy advocacy work, which is something that their team was really interested in learning more about. And to be able to visit each other's locations, to fly out and spend a couple of days with each other's staff and and, and learn about the communities that we're serving and the um, the the ways that you know, the, the models of each of our programs and how they are different but could really learn from one another was really eye-opening for us and for them. And we've maintained a relationship with that pantry. And, um, it, that, you know, I think that that's really, really rare. Um, and it's something that Neighbors Together would never have been able to access or to take on without the support of Why Hunger. Yep. And, it, and interestingly, um, the uh, organization in, in Indiana called Mother Hubbard's Cupboard um, ha- has also begun doing some um, advocacy work 
Um, we call it the hub. That's a great <laughs> Not, name. Yeah, Mother, Mother Hubbard's cover, cover, but they call they call themselves the hub. <laughs> so the hub is um, is really engaged now in um, organizing the folks that come to their um, to their food pantry and um, organizing around issues that um, that are important to them and and uh, for instance, beginning to engage in a living wage campaign locally. Um, and that uh, wouldn't probably wouldn't have happened without or wouldn't have happened as quickly without the the learning that they were um, able to uh, to do together with neighbors together. And so mm-hmm. that's the kind of kind of networking and alliance building that that we really think is um, criti- critical to to uh, building this this movement to end hunger and poverty and that 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 it's the value of the the, the collective pow- power of grassroots communities um, is is what we want to lift up and what we want to um, bring to bear um, in order to to really get to the roots of these issues what's on the wish list for neighbors together Denny oh so many things <laughs> Um I mean, I think internally as an organization, we would love to be able to provide more um, organic, local produce, really high-quality food for our members who are turning to us for hot meals. Um, right now, a lot of our food is government-funded and connecting with, you know, farmers or um, community gardens is difficult in central Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's one thing on the wish list that would meet, like, an immediate need for, for folks. Um, but of course, you know, we have really big wishes. We, you know, we want housing for all of our members. We want really high quality healthcare for all of our members. Um, we want people to not need to have to turn to places like Neighbors Together in the first place. And we really would like to put ourselves out of business. We really don't want to have to be here 36 years from now. Um, so our wishes are big. Our mission is big. And, um, we can't do it without the support and investment of a lot of people. And so, you know, making donations, coming out to volunteer, really supporting our on-the-ground programs is, is a huge wish and, and a gift for us in so many ways. And, Denny, what's um, the website? You can find our website at www.neighborstogether.org. Okay, so that's neighborstogether, that's all as one word, dot .org. Mm-hmm. Neighbors Together, all one word, dot org. Denny Marsh, Executive Director of Neighbors Together, thank you very much for uh, joining us on our program and providing some perspective on Neighbors Together. Hopefully uh, your organization can uh, certainly thrive as well. But thank you for providing the insight that you have and hopefully maybe some motivation for some of the folks listening to us to be supportive of the efforts of Hungerthon. Thank you, Denny. My pleasure. Thank you both so much. We will continue in our discussion with Allison Cohen, who is Senior Director of Programs for Why Hunger. We're talking in advance of Hungerthon Tuesday here on The Fan. Has anybody noticed you're hearing more and more references to this Radio.com app? You might want to snag this. Just a hint. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. On our program this morning, we are in a discussion with Allison Cohen, who is Senior Director of Programs for Why Hunger, and talking with her about... The work of Why Hunger in advance of Hungerthon 2018, as Dave Uram mentioned on Tuesday, it's Hungerthon Day here on The Fan, and there will be an awful lot of talk about some of the issues that we are touching upon in our discussion, too. And yes, you can be directly involved in um, this whole process. When we talk about what we're seeing with hunger here in New York City, I guess, Allison, let's turn to you. What is what is that showing now? What are the numbers showing? Yeah, so, um, and this is sort of, uh, I think, good context for following on the conversation we just had with Denny Marsh mm-hmm. about Neighbors Together. Um, there are more than 1.4 million residents in New York City. That's one in six that rely on emergency food programs. And we call them emergency food programs, but it's really not an emergency as in the same way that it was, you know, some 
uh, 30 or 40 years ago. Um, so that's one in five children. Mm. That's one in five seniors um, that are relying on soup kitchens and, and food pantries um, like the one you heard described um, by Denny a little while ago. Um, and uh, uh, the, the other interesting, I think, um, tidbit is that um, of all the, the hungry people in New York State, um, uh, half of them live here in, in the New York City five boroughs. That's a frightening thought. Yeah. Half of the hungry people in New York City. In New, New York, York State. New York State live in the five boroughs of yes. New York City. That's right. Yeah, 50% of all the uh, statistically food insecure folks in New York State, um, 50% of them live here in New York City. And and uh, um, and as I, you know, I, I used the term earlier, emergency food programs, um, and uh, and uh, that's a term that was coined, um, you know, some 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. We've been doing food banking in this country for 50 years, and that is a long time to call something an emergency when it's become sort of a a, a way for for folks that are that are working um, to supplement their um, supplement their uh, you know their groceries their um, their ability to feed their families. You know that idea of food insecurity is something that is really bothering really bothers me. Um, this concept of the working poor, I've said before on this program, I feel realistically, I feel it's a crime that people should be in that situation. Um, and I also think of. Why is it that more people aren't outraged? That's a, I mean, that's a, that's an excellent, excellent question. And I wish I could give you a, a you know, an, a, a direct answer. Um, I, I think in part, uh, we've done an excellent job of, I think it's not that visible. I think that it's that's that's part of the issue too. Is that it's just it's not this this concept of food insecurity or this state of food insecurity. It's just not that visible, and um, and and that's I think a piece of the problem. I um, I wish more people were were outraged, and um, I wish more people would um, engage uh, around this um, th- this idea that that hunger is solvable. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have hunger in, in in you know one of the richest countries in the world. Um, that that it's and and to see that it's not a matter of um, a sort of individual responsibility. That it's really a social responsibility. It's a responsibility we have to each other as human beings. Um, it's uh, a responsibility that um, we 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 should be holding our government accountable. Um, uh, you know, for this, because we are, we are the, they, we are them, we are the government. And, uh, and um, it's, you know, it's, it's not just a, an ideology. It's really, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a fact when you're, when you're looking at 42 million Americans um, that are, are struggling to, to get enough food to eat every, every week. But the, re- and, and the reality is the resources are there. The resources are there. The resources are there. It is a matter of how we use those resources, how we determine um, what percentage of our resources we are going to um, to to devote to to social issues and social problems. Mm. Um, when we talk about the types of things, and, and Dave alluded to them somewhat in mentioning this at the end of his update, the type of things that will be available on Tuesday and are going to be featured, um, they really run the gamut when you get right down to it. But one of the things that struck me very much when I was looking at the items online, and I told you, I told you I've been here since a little bit before two this morning, so <laughs> I've been involved in a lot of different things here. And one of the things that really stands out, and it's on a shirt, and it's also on a knit hat, is that phrase, hunger is a crime. Yeah, so we're, we're really stepping it up this year. This, I mean, <laughs> that really got me when I saw that. And I was sitting here looking at it and thinking to myself, yeah, 
Well, and the phrase comes from Tom Morello, who is, um, you know, with the Prophets of Rage, and um, and he said it one one evening at a, at a show, I think, uh, I'm not sure where the show was, I can't remember, but it was a show, and he stood up and he was talking about this issue, and he said, you know, it's a crime, hunger is a crime. And so he's kind of generous, generously let us use that mm-hmm. that phrase, I mean, to borrow that phrase and to, and to really... Uh, call it what it is. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, ag- again, if you don't call it what it is, then you just wind up treating it with food. And um, this is an issue that goes well, way beyond food, way beyond access to food. It, it really goes to the, to the, uh, the, the roots of, of justice, really. The support of those in the music and entertainment industries, mm-hmm. what is that what does that mean? Well, because that that seems to be a large, you know, that's a large part of what it is you're able to offer at times for auction. Right, and we we often talk about, um, uh, uh, you know, Bill Ayers, the the co-founder of of Why Hunger, often says, you know, music's in our DNA as an organization, and that's because Harry Chapin. Um, uh, famously was the, the, the co-founder along with Bill of Why Hunger. And so ever since day one, um, we've been engaging with, um, with musical artists to help amplify the, the, the voices of those that, that, um, that we work with and to amplify the message that, that hunger is solvable. And um, you, artists like Bruce Springsteen, Tom Morello, Brandi Carlisle, um, yeah, the Michael McDonald, the list goes on and on of 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 the musicians over the years that have really um, uh, lent their voice to um, you know to their to this collective um, collective idea that hunger is solvable. And having the support of Yoko Ono. Oh, and yes, and of John course, Lennon. Yoko Ono, who's just incredibly, incredibly generous. Um, she herself experienced hunger as a child. In um, in Japan during the war, and ever since then has really been committed to um, ending uh, hunger among children. That's a, a huge concern of hers. And so, um, over the last uh, decade or so, uh, she has very generously joined our campaign and um, and has allowed us to uh, to use John Lennon's um, song and 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 help us again collectively. Imagine um, that there is no hunger, and it does start with um, it does start with the imagination. Okay, so the sort of things if you want to this season give a gift with meaning, you can go to hungerthon.org, get involved. The Bruce Springsteen Land of Hope and Dreams pin, John Lennon's Imagine There's No Hunger coaster set, the Imagine There's No Hunger knit hat. Tom Morello, hunger is a crime hat, hunger is a crime, quarter sleeve raglan shirt, the 2018 Hunger Thon tee, the 2018 Hunger Thon hoodie, and something I think is very creative. It's an interesting idea. The Why Hunger apron. When I saw that, I thought, what a neat idea and what a smart idea, especially at this time of the year. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 um, it's a it's a beautiful um, apron that is made with um, made from organic cotton mm-hmm. and um, and and carries a part of the important message of of um, that that uh, food is a um, food is a is a right and it and it just says clearly on the apron, food, communities, justice, and those three things go um, go hand in hand. All right, I want to talk about the um, the Why Hunger hotline as well. Let me just mention the fact that we're talking with Allison Cohen, who is Senior Director of Programs at Why Hunger. Tuesday is Hungerthon Day here on The Fan. You can go to hungerthon.org right now or whyhunger.org and get more information on some of the things that we're talking about. You can make a donation literally as you're listening to our program uh, this morning. At 7.30, it's the NFL Preview. Rick Wolf and the Sports Edge along after our 8 o'clock update, and Melusis and Deal along with the Football Sunday program after our 9 o'clock update on the fan. And yes, it's another big NFL Sunday here on WFAN. The food hotline we've talked about uh, in the past here, 1-800-5-HUNGRY. Yes. Who so, calls that? 
So we um, have been running a, a national hunger hotline for um, quite some time now, and um, you can call it at one eight hundred five hungry. And it helps veterans, seniors, families, working people around the country. They call, um, they call, or they go online um, to find food, and um, and we connect them directly. We have uh, folks that are that are you, you get a real person who who speaks with you to help you find food in your neighborhood, as well as um, government programs like um, food stamps, SNAP, other things like that that you can. Um, that you can access, and uh, we've been building this this database for for quite some time um, over the last twenty years of of and it it's a it's kind of a monster to kind of continue to to add to this and keep it updated. <laughs> but we we work hard at that, and it it um, it enables us to provide uh, reliable information to folks that are um, finding themselves in a in a situation of maybe for the first time needing to access. Uh, a soup kitchen or a food pantry or a food bank. And I hope people were paying attention when you were explaining and you mentioned veterans among the people calling. Yes, yes, veterans. Um, increasingly over the last uh, decade, we've been hearing from more and more veterans um, and more and more men, which is um, can be, uh, we find it a, a really interesting phenomenon that that has, uh, we've had an increase of, of um, male callers and um, and again, many many of these people are um, are working mm-hmm. um, and just can't make ends meet. And um, and the fact that a, that that someone who served our country in the way that they've served our country is reliant on a private nonprofit to get their food um, and and uh, and other services is is I think um, right up there with hunger is a crime. Mm. Allison Cohen, who is is a senior director of programs for Why Hunger, is in studio with us on our program on the fan at seven thirty this morning. It's the NFL preview. We will continue in our discussion after Dave's look around the uh, sporting world. You right now can go to hungerthon.org or whyhunger.org. Find out more information about things we're talking about. You can actually make a donation at hungerthon.org. And this Tuesday, the twentieth is Hungerthon Day here on WFAN. There will be a lot of special programming that uh, will bring you information. You'll have the opportunity to uh, bid on items as well and be involved, be directly involved in exactly what we're talking about here. If this isn't providing you with some motivation to become part of the discussion, become an active participant, I don't know what would. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Solter. We are in a discussion talking about the work of Why Hunger and Hungerthon. Hungerthon Tuesday is the 20th. And if you want to be involved in supporting the efforts of Why Hunger, go to hungerthon.org or whyhunger.org. You can make a donation literally right now. Allison Cohen is in studio with us. She is Senior Director of Programs for Why Hunger and is sharing information at 7.30 this morning. It's the NFL preview. Sports Edge follows our 8 o'clock update, and after our 9 o'clock update, Malusis and Deal along with the Football Sunday program, a big NFL Sunday here on WFAN. We um, have touched on a number of different issues um, and talking about this whole idea of hunger being solved from the grassroots up in our discussion. Last year... With Hungerthon, there was a little over a million dollars that was raised, right? 1.1 million. Okay, 1.1 million uh, to be exact. Do you, as an organization, do you set goals? Yeah, absolutely. We we do set goals, and we've seen Hungerthon grow um, every single year since, you know, since we started this radio tradition in 1975. And <clears throat> the need keeps getting bigger as well. I got to get you something for your. I know. I don't know what's going on with me this morning. I was going to get you some hot tea before, and I completely (laughs) forgot about that. Okay. So I apologize, but yes, we do. We 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 are we set goals. We would love to get. We would love to raise more than a million dollars again this year. 
um, that would be a, um, a a significant achievement. And it wouldn't be a ch- an achievement just for Why Hunger. It's an achievement for all of us. We're all in this together, and that's really how we um, how we cast this Hungerthon tradition. That it's it's the listeners, it's the the fans, it's the mu- the artists, the musicians, the um, the the Bob Salters of the world, the radio personalities that are are really um, engaging. We're all engaging together in this in this effort to um, to advocate for a world without hunger. At times of crisis, how is why hunger involved? You know, I, I think back to this year. We've had such mm. wild and wacky weather. Okay. Yeah. You know this, the the horrible situation that's happening now in, in California is oh the wildfires is, yes is, is just, it, it's beyond belief yeah but you think back to you know what we've had in North Carolina in Florida even going back a little bit and talk about the whole situation in Puerto Rico does why hunger get involved. We do get involved. Um, we don't get involved probably in a in a traditional way in the in the sense that we're um, you know we're we're not on the front lines, mm-hmm. but we are working um, diligently with the partners that we have. Um, for instance, uh, the Central and Eastern, uh, the Food Bank of Central and Eastern North Carolina. Um, we've been working with them. They are doing some really amazing work, both to. Um, you know, both to make sure that folks are getting what they need on the ground, but also calling attention, um, even most recently, to the fact that that farm workers um, and um, and other uh, immigrants are are in particular, um, you know, now that we're 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 a couple of months or four weeks or whatever it is past uh, Hurricane Florence, that that these are the folks that are. Um, that, that we're beginning to see are really, um, really suffering from this in an ongoing way. Um, the, so we get involved both in the immediate aftermath to provide funding and resources and to also amplify voices, tell the stories. And um, we also are engaged, for instance, in Puerto Rico, we work with a partner there called um, Organización Boricua, and they have been, um, in addition to, to, to making sure that people have enough food to eat, they also have been um, helping to rebuild the, the local farming system throughout the, the island there. And what we were, we've been supporting that and providing resources and funding for that. And because they're on the ground, these are the farmers that form the organization. They're mm-hmm. in their community. Mm-hmm. The funds that we were able to raise um, right after uh, Hurricane Maria, um, we were able to, to give those funds directly to this organization that on the ground um, they, you know, they, did, they were able to, to, to get water, to get supplies, and to start farming again um, in, almost immediately. And because of the kind of farming they do, they had root crops that didn't, um, you know, various root crops that were available right after the hurricane, even while the, you know, the, the banana trees and the, the other sort of higher crops mm-hmm. were um, were destroyed. So, um, and we also continue to talk about climate change as a as a critical intersection with hunger, um, and and is, is something that that um, that we need to begin addressing. And we believe that we're seeing folks on the ground, grassroots level, addressing um, uh, issues of of, of um, climate change and and um, weather related um, disasters in ways that um, go beyond resilience, really. Um, and that are that are about rebuilding and and um, and not just rebuilding, but but designing systems that can withstand um, uh, some of these climate uh, or weather related events that that um, that leave people uh, in dire straits. Gee, do we think climate change is actually really happening? Hmm. We do. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 I wonder if we think that that's actually really happening at this point, especially <sighs> with all the, all the evidence that we seem to be having around us, almost on a daily basis exactly. here. Exactly. Exactly. Well, when we look at Tuesday, what's that day like for Why Hunger? Um, it's actually a really exciting, energizing day because we can feel all of the the people around the country, um, 
uh, uh, particularly around, uh, you know, the, the extended sort of tri-state area, really um, listening in, tuning in to WFAN and um, and uh, and and other radio stations as well. Um, and we're, we we have the opportunity to to talk all day long on the radio and um, and to to share the stories of folks that we're working with and to um, engage folks all day in um, in calling in, making pledges. Um, there, there are aspects of it that are kind of like a traditional radiothon, and there are aspects of it that are are um, are are more into our particular century. <laughs> In other well, words, website <laughs> hungerthon.org, perfect lead into that. Yeah, whyhunger.org. Both great resources for you to get more information. Also, you can go to hungerthon.org literally right now. Make a donation in support of Why Hunger. All day on Tuesday, you'll be hearing information that hopefully is going to motivate you. Um, it's good information that's being shared as well. Allison Cohen, Senior Director of Programs for Why Hunger, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And also our thanks to Denny Marsh, Executive Director of Neighbors Together, who joined us earlier in our program. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.